0: We can just keep this in. I guess that's true. Okay, okay. So, no, we're not keeping this
1: in. <laughs> yeah,
2: boy! Okay, okay, okay. I'll just start from here. I'll just start from here. Okay. Hello. Uh, my name is Christian. This is Shooting the Shit, where we like to talk about stuff. These are my co-hosts.
1: I'm Justin. And I'm Thane.
2: And I have a topic to start off today. I just recently uh, spent a decent $20 uh, on the Modern Warfare 2 campaign. They remastered uh-huh. it. Uh, I will say this: It actually looks remastered, uh, so it actually looks pretty good. Especially like the cool, really cinematic levels, like the ice climbing one, that was really cool. Um, like seeing the uh, like burned up Washington DC when like the EMP hits and stuff, that was really rad. Um, however, I started. Uh, you guys have played Call of Duty, where like you have to go through the obstacle course at the beginning, and they said they give you the recommended difficulty.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah so. um... I did that and I know how to. I mean, you never take the big guns. You always say, like, an SMG and a pistol because everything takes one bullet to kill. And so I got veteran uh, because I played Call of Duty a lot. So yeah. I got the veteran and it said, like, it is the whole dramatic thing, like, oh, are you sure? Like, do you really want to do veteran? Veteran, so it makes you click yes like five times. And I was like, yeah. And then four missions in, I changed it. Um, <laughs> well, in veteran, they don't miss and you die very quickly. But the downside is is when you are shooting, you flinch very badly if shot, and so they mm-hmm. always shoot first. So pretty much how you kill anybody is you bank flashbangs or frags, you shoot them through a wall, or what you mm-hmm. do most of the time is you get where they're standing if they have a high ground, you get where they're standing, and then you ADS, peek out, shoot them, and peek back before they can shoot you. You have to cheese it. Mm-hmm. There was just one qu- portion that I could not get through to a checkpoint, Mm -hmm. And I turned it down, and it made me think about campaign difficulties. And, Mm -hmm. like, I play a lot of single-player games. We all play a pretty decent number of games. And I want to talk about what is the best way to scale difficulty in PvE.
1: Hmm. I think... Sorry, go. I was going to say, I think almost never is it correct to just increase health on enemies destiny does that a lot of games yeah. do that a lot of a lot of times like the older call of duties did that it's like oh this is harder instead of taking two bullets to kill this guy it takes six
2: yeah you shoot like, them and they stagger and then you're almost dead and you have to like hide and then they don't die yeah um here are the different ones i've like experienced and i put a couple examples so like uh, bullet sponges uh, Halo, Destiny, what you just said. Halo, Destiny, Gears of War, like Gears Five. Mm. So there's that, um, and then there's there's other ones where they just make things do a ton more damage, which that's pretty common. They make you, them do a lot more damage, and they make them never miss. That was pretty much what I experienced in Call of Duty. Is like when I lowered it to hardened, which is like the third, uh, the second most hard, most difficult. It was night and day. I could actually peek. I could, I could run down a hallway without dying. Um, and it was still hard like enemies if I got close to them they could hit me with their gun and I would just die. if I was stupid mm. I would get punished and I would die like it was fair um, Rng where you just have oh, like that's
0: the, yeah that's always a good that's one.
2: the best way to scale difficulty right um another one that made, that made me think specifically of destiny was uh, complex mechanics so mm. you basically just like like raids the enemies normally aren't tougher there's just like a lot of bells and whistles to kill them. So That's a good point. Uh, and then the last one, Swarms. So, like, you know, just multiplying exponentially how many enemies spawn. And that's normally combined with other, like, they also have increased health or whatever. I just want to know, what do you guys hate and what do you guys like? We'll do hate first.
0: Alright, well... Just like upping the amount of damage that the other people do isn't always fun, but making it go both ways is more interesting. Hmm. Like in Ori, for example, there's like a charm you can equip where it's like you do three times as much damage, but so do the enemies. That's cool. Um, and or it's like, you know, and that's always interesting. Like in Destiny, there are like solar burns. Like that's interesting because it's like certain enemies are more dangerous and like you can use certain guns to be more powerful so you know always like basically being able to make yourself a glass cannon is always an interesting way to introduce challenge i mm-hmm. think
1: yeah i think the um like the most recent cod you're talking about um not i guess the most recent would be the old campaign remastered but that's still using old game logic so i don't know if i would really call that the most recent but um yeah like modern warfare the most recent full engine that was dropped out the mm-hmm. hardest difficulty can just allow you to one shot any enemy if you hit them in the head and it's like a basically a two shot body shot but that's like the realistic version where you die more or less in one or two shots and so do enemies but one level down from that they're sponges which i think is really weird because it's like they have mm. normal difficulty curve yeah and then at the very peak they just have increased damage both so i thought that was interesting that they use both systems in one game
2: I played Realistic when I went back and replayed it on, like, just some of the levels. Like, I did, like, Clean House on Realistic, because you said you recommended it. It was really cool. I like, the Wolf's Den on Realistic. You know, the, I think the note, I feel like Realistic mode was made more for, like, a feeling than a difficulty. Hmm. Which is, like, I'm yeah. down. Like, I'm always down for that. I'd like, it was definitely, like, no HUD, not seeing your ammo. Like, when my gun would just click, I got scared. Like, I'm peeking, mm-hmm. and my gun is just, like, clicking, and I'm like, oh, god, I don't have ammo. I have to reload. Like, you know, I, that is a cool feeling. Um, I think something that I, I... I think my least favorite is, just like you said, Thane, definitely bullet sponges. Like, it's so frustrating. I think bullet sponges would be okay if they also didn't kill you instantly. Um, the, like, the worst thing in the world was the early Halo games when there wasn't, like, a lot of power weapons or ways to cheese. But the worst thing was in the old Halo, like Halo 1, um, when they would just put, like... They would just... When you went on higher difficulties, there wasn't tiers of elites like in the later ones. Like, in the later ones, there's ones that certain armor that you can tell, like, oh, they're stronger, right? Um, but in the original one, there was just, like, a couple different ones, and they basically just made their shields invincible. The downside of that is the shield's recharged. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you use the AR, you would use mm-hmm. an entire clip, not break their shield, switch weapons, dunk, and dump your your second gun into there. But by that point, you're already exposed for, like, five, six seconds, Assuming you never miss, and so it's like you're probably already weak and you need to hide. Well, then he recharges and you just wasted 80 bullets. And yep. that, that frustrates me. What do you think would be, like, uh, Justin, you recommended, like, the glass cannon both ways thing. What do you think mm-hmm. is a good way to scale difficulty? And just, like, a PvE, you can be, like, with a party, solo, anything from mm-hmm. any game you've ever liked.
0: So... Well, bullet sponges suck, but I don't think increasing the health pool is necessarily inherently always bad. Yeah. Unless, as long as it's like you're engaging with a mechanic. Like, for example, in, like, if you think back to the Croto raid in Destiny, mm. uh just for context, the Croto was this boss, and there was this mechanic where you had to kill a specific enemy, and he would drop a sword, and one person would have to pick up the sword. And then the rest of your team would shoot the boss until he was basically brought to a weakened state, and the one guy with the sword could do actual damage to his health. Now, when you increase the health pool of Crota, it means that you have to do that more times, which yeah. requires like more precision from the players, and it like allows for less screw ups basically. Yeah. Um, so like that's a case where like in like increasing the health pool is like it, you know, it puts more challenge on the players without being uninteresting. But bullet sponges specifically, like, oh, just they take more bullets, that's not That's not
1: good. I was going to say, I think an even worse, like, egregious way to do bullet sponges is some games, they just say you're too overleveled, you can't do damage. Like, they ramp off a level, mm, and at a certain yeah. point, it's just, oh, uh, no effect. I think that's really that's bad. Yeah, I get what they're trying thing, yeah. to do, but at that point, I'd rather them just make it an insta-kill to me. Don't, don't say I can't damage them, just say I can only do one. As annoying as it is. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah Yeah, it's kind of like there are some boss fights you're like supposed to lose in games right like for the story or whatever and like that has to be interesting like i have to feel like i have a chance and that i actually lost and i was very close in order for that to work well but if it's just like but if that's done on well or like i can't damage him i'm like oh well my sort of like you know engagement with this game has been taken away and i think
2: something that's an interesting point. Like, um, I never played Neo, which is that, like, Samurai Dark Souls-like game. Um, mm-hmm. But I watched somebody... Like, I, I saw a video on IGN a couple months after it came out, and it was basically, like, you start the game out fighting the big bad. Like, you're just in a field dueling him one-on-one. And it's one mm-hmm. of those fights you're supposed to lose, but he has a health bar. And, like, he goes through stages like a normal boss. And, like, mm-hmm. so you can beat him... And get a unique cutscene. You still hmm. like lose. Like right. I think like an arrow flies in from off screen and you meet like another character and he like saves the big bad. But like you get unique dialogue. And you still lose, but like it's it's cool because it's not just one of those things where it's you were supposed to die here so you have no shot. Because mm-hmm. I'm also not a fan of those fights. Not all the time. Like, some I, I like. I don't like it when they crush you. Like, that's the part that's not fun. Where it's just like, I'm basically just in a. I'm in a cutscene, getting slapped around a couple times, and I I like. Thane said, "You're doing no damage." It's like, ah, look how powerful I am. I get it. You're powerful. You're killing me. You don't need to like make me experience that for 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the other game.
0: issue. The other issue with, like, that type of mechanic is that, like, I'm very stubborn in, like, I have been in cases (laughs) where I'm like, all right, restart, all right, restart. Like, I pause the game, restart level, because I know I'm about to die. I'm like, okay. And I just, like, pound my head against it for a while until eventually I'm, like, get tired of restarting or whatever, and I want to see what the death sequence is, and then all of a sudden the story progresses. And I'm like, oh, well, that was an hour wasted.
1: You know, something interesting I've seen done before with that whole, like, somewhat rewarding a player for just being belligerent in a uh, in a really old paper Mario game, there's a fight that you come to at some point that is completely unwinnable, you're supposed to lose the fight. That's fine. However, right after that you are um you, you've been like holding a, a baby Yoshi egg. And after it it hatches. But depending on how long you stay alive in the unwinnable fight determines the color of the Yoshi that hatches out that's your follower for the rest of the game. And The more belligerently you can stay in the fight, like the nicer it ends up looking. But there's no way to really ever know that unless you do subsequent playthroughs or look it up. And I always found that to be really interesting. That's cool.
2: I like the reward idea. Yeah. I I think two specific single player games that come to mind were like difficulty scales, and you can fight against it without cheating. Because most of the time, like when I was playing Veteran Call, when I was playing that campaign on Veteran. Um, I pretty much would just, like, cheese it, find stupid head glitch angles, find spawns and moan down before they set up. And, like, because that's how you had to do it, which wasn't fun. Like, mm-hmm. I had to... I hardened, and I think even regular is a fun time, because you're actively, like... You're actively being able to engage with the game. I think two games specifically are uh, the Mass Effect series, specifically the later ones, um, and uh, Doom Eternal. So what Mass Effect would do is uh, there's basically versions of every enemy. And so not only did they each have a unique mechanic, like, and how they're engaging with you, but there were powers that you could pick your squad mates and you could pick your, you know, you could pick your own class to interact with the different types of defenses. There were, like, uh, basically barriers that were made out of, like, psychic force energy There were powers that broke those specifically. There were gun, like, ammo types that did more damage to them. But what it did on higher difficulties was it had more enemies, but more importantly, it gave you the higher tier enemies that had more difficult mechanics or tools to fight you. And in Mm -hmm. response, you had to basically craft yourself and your equipment around knowing you're going to fight these enemies so you could combat you know whatever they throw at you. If you didn't prepare, you're gonna die. Like it wasn't a thing of like you might make it. You're gonna die. You're gonna lose 100. It was a, a game knowledge thing. Like I think I think you could talk about The Witcher in that aspect.
1: I was actually just about to say that. Yeah, on higher difficulties in The Witcher, on unlike the normal difficulty, you can more or less play it as you want. If you want to walk into a town and see an enemy and just hit them with a sword until they die, you definitely can. But on higher difficulties, it's like, oh, this is a specific monster that people in the town have talked about. I need to look up what its weakness is, make like an oil to coat the sword in before I go and fight it. I need to be aware of its weakness. Maybe it's stronger at like day or near water. I need to like sharpen up and like I need to tech in game systems against enemies the harder the game gets. And that's like, that's a good way of saying use the mechanics more when you're struggling. I think a bad example of that is like in Skyrim. If you want to keep up with certain difficulty curves, you just have to break the game more. Like you can, yeah. you're still using game mechanics, but you're just breaking game mechanics to a faster and harder degree to keep up with harder difficulties, which is yeah, also like a valid enjoyment thing. <laughs> but uh, maybe not what they intended.
2: Yeah, I think um, I think the downside to Skyrim specifically is like you you had to have like it got to the point where i was so far in the game i was creating crappier gear sets for cosmetic reasons so i wouldn't one shot basic enemies because if i didn't have my stronger weapons bosses and like the stronger enemies would kill me instead so like i had to have like bandit fighting gear and i had to have like Mm. dragon fighting gear because if not i would just one shot all the bandits forever and never get hit by them um, the other game I wanted to talk about, Doom Eternal, it has a very satisfying loop of, like, you have a bunch of different resources that are constantly on recharge, um, that give you different resource that give you, you have a bunch of different tools that give you resources. So you have, like, a chainsaw, your ammo count is drastically less than in the Doom 2016. Um, so you have to constantly use your chainsaw to get ammo. Well, you also have a flamethrower that when you hit enemies while they're on fire, they drop armor. Well, you also have something called a blood punch that when you destroy enemies with it, they drop health packs. So it's like you have to constantly be looping these things, right? You also have like three different types of grenades that recharge independently. And so you're constantly having to loop them. But you have just like the better you get at this loop, the the game's constantly giving you more tools. And like you're constantly upgrading those tools. So you don't ever, I never feel like it's unfair. Like, I, I'm always still running and gunning. And when I die, it's only because I stopped moving or made a mistake. Um, It's not because I, like, didn't understand a mechanic. It's like, oh, I didn't use my flamethrower that entire fight and got armor. That's why I die.
0: I think the most interesting way to add difficulty, and it isn't necessarily, like, difficulty is a weird thing. Like, like we're using it as a pretty broad term. But really, like, difficulty is basically, like, one of two things. It's either, like increasing the amount of precision needed from the player like hard mode raids in destiny were like if you died that's a wipe like like because you can't revive and so that's just fucking it um and but then there's also like another way to add difficulty which is really just like adding like levels of engagement with the game like for example the fallout series has like a survival mode and like it is as and it is ostensibly harder to like live and survive but also what it's doing is it's not just making the game harder it's making you have to like interact with the game more and it's like adding new systems or like um, Minecraft's hardcore mode for example makes you interact with systems that you might not normally because you can't uh, regen health passively so like you might make a golden apple when you would not have otherwise or it's like you yeah. might have to make healing potions which you know you might not normally on normal playthrough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm the there are some games that are really hard to add difficulty to though like um i know you guys haven't played a lot of uh like um turn-based strategy games but like civilization like the difficulty tiers are basically just like how much of a technology disadvantage do you start at like um like um like really easier levels the ai gets their technology slower just artificially they just slow down how fast they get it but on harder difficulties, they start off with technology you don't have. Um, yeah. And it's it's hard to add difficulty to some games without the answer just being, like,
1: have better
0: AI. Um,
2: but what does that mean, right? It's hard to, like, quantify. Like, I, I think get, oh, that's a good point.
1: Something interesting about having better AI, you know, um, the Pokemon games, all of the trainers are put under categories of, like, how good they should be, and... Th- whatever, like, strength that they should be all equates to different levels of AI. So, like, there's, like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. 10 different steps of AI on a scale of 1 to 10. And, like, I don't know, the the Elite Four are all 10s, meaning that they use super effective moves. They somewhat, like, act very intelligently, not cheating, but they act extremely Mm -hmm. intelligently and, like, almost always just do the correct play when it's correct to do so, respond to what you're doing. Whereas, like... The lower random people that you run into in the middle of a route may only be like a six and they might not always use what's super effective or they might not always respond exactly responding to like what you're playing with and I think an interesting way to add a harder mode to those games even though there's not an option currently would just be to mm-hmm. internally bump the AI of all of those up um, and I think it's weird yeah. that they've never allowed that hmm. that like I don't know like random route trainers you couldn't give like they would the game mechanics are already in place for them to just let random route trainers play as well as the elite four, but they choose yeah. not to mm-hmm. because they're just like, they're not as good, but they never let yeah. you make them harder.
2: I think that's a good point. Like, I think that's interesting. Like being able to, yeah. Why wouldn't they just let you do that? I, I understand like they how they really want Pokemon to be. And they want everybody to have like a similar experience. Like they've said that before. But it gets kind of like I think we talked about this the other day of like um, I wish th- we were talking about making Pokemon slower um, because I pretty much just get six Pokemon that cover a broad spectrum of types, specifically those of gym leaders and Elite Four members. Um, like I remember in like when I played like Kanto, like Fire Red, Leaf Green, if you had a water type and an electric type and i think that's it you could pretty much tank the entire elite fork but yeah i, I uh, that's really interesting that like i didn't know that it was already in the game i never really thought about it i guess but that makes sense it's kind of annoying they don't let us pick that
0: yeah yeah i didn't quite realize how few types of pokemon or like how few types of move variety you really need until i like soloed um all of emerald with a single pokemon Like, I I ended up choosing Lotad, which eventually turned into Ludicolo. Um, And, like, I had had four moves, and it was Surf, Brick Break, Ice Beam, and Giga Drain. And with that, you can get super effective on most things. But I think it's hard to introduce difficulty to games with a limited number of mechanics. Like, Pokemon doesn't have too many mechanics. Like, it isn't hard to make a computer that plays Pokemon. It's just, like put out the pokemon that is most effective and like use the effective type moves i'm sure there's a lot more nuance and like competitive pokemon versus re- real life human beings but when it comes to the game it's mostly just like use the most effective stuff
2: no that's that's comp too
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um and so like the only way to introduce difficulty is just like we'll have the other player or like have the opponent play better
2: yeah because it'd be unfair if they just gave them a Pokemon that was 40 levels higher and said, okay, beat it.
1: I suppose you could always raise stakes. Some games do it where it's basically like a permanent mode, and in Pokemon it'd be what's called Nuzlocke, where it's like, if it faints, it dies, it's now gone. That's one mm-hmm. way to introduce difficulty without just being like, enemies are higher leveled or smarter. You can just make it so mm-hmm. that when you mess up, it's more serious. And some games really fall yep. into that. Like, of course, Soul series, it's like, oh, when you mess up, it's more serious, you lose resources i mean minecraft even like when you die you lose all your resources now you, you can make it to stuff. that yeah but you can make it so that they actually disappear like there's modes mm-hmm. where when you yeah. die it disappears on death and i mean i don't know you can sometimes just make failures more serious as a mechanic now that doesn't always work well but sometimes it does mm-hmm. that's a good point
2: yeah i think um i've thought about a lot about this pokemon like what if they made a 3d like were you uh, Did you guys okay you probably never played this game Camden bought this game when he was, like, nine, but he couldn't read well enough to play it, and he couldn't, like... Like, there was a lot of reading involved. It was, like, a Pokemon RPG. You played as Pikachu, and you ran around this, like, park that had a bunch of different biomes, and you would meet different Pokemon and, like, help them solve troubles, basically. Well, battling was still a thing, and you had, like, a couple moves. The health system was very generic. You were stuck in a little, like, basically an invisible walled-in circle... I thought, like, well, why aren't Pokemon games like this? Not even counting like how much animation would be needed to make every Pokemon just be able to walk around freely. Um, but it would it would completely eliminate like a ton of stats. Like, uh, like speed would would be nothing because you can't mm-hmm. just say like I make my Charizard faster moving because he has higher speed.
1: You um, you can mystery dungeon does that like another pokemon game does that in mystery really? dungeon if you have higher speed you just can move twice in a turn instead of someone else who can move once mm-hmm. there that's, are no, that's, that's, top, that's
2: top down though that's not like free flying that's the problem is like that's like i don't know that's like saying in mortal Kombat, like the one that was uh like a, a three not just back and forth linear it was like a 3d arena like i think it was called armageddon x played mm-hmm. on the xbox mm-hmm. that's like saying hey sub Zero's is faster than scorpion so he just has like oh no that does make sense dang it that's a good point you could okay i can see
0: they also do that in smash like some characters just move faster than others yeah
2: Yeah, that's fair
0: it's hard to do in like a 3d space though although i guess overwatch does it maybe
2: yeah but uh, but what what i'm saying is like uh, but i guess like okay so in overwatch uh the different characters are different strength or different have different strengths like some are faster some are more defense whatever but my problem mm-hmm. is like what happens if I'm fighting your Charizard with mine? Like mm-hmm. I don't know how we would quantify that speed and it would be so negligible because the stats are not very different unless you have like a really EV, you have an EV in a certain stat, which I guess would increase mm-hmm. the need for EVs. I don't know. I'm just like I've thought about it a lot. And I don't know. It's interesting. That it's just like it. a quick one um just thoughts on collectibles in campaigns. <sighs>
0: I have such mixed feelings because I never I never want to feel like I have to get the collectibles. Like mm-hmm. like if the what collectibles can be there but not be there in such a way that it tricks the dumb animal part of my brain to say like I need them, then that's great. Like uh, for example, like I played um, all of the first Ori game. And and I'm sure there were collectibles in that game, but I didn't know. Like they weren't presented in a way that was like gamify y. Like you could just explore more if you wanted to, and I didn't, and so I didn't. But there are other games where it's like, Hey, hey, you're missing some stuff. Yeah, every you time you pause it? it
2: says like four of fifty or something. Like Right.
0: And so and so my dumb brain is like, Oh, like I really want to complete this, I really want to tick this box. And I kinda and I don't like that feeling.
2: Yeah. I'm not a fan. I, in Call of Duty, there's stuff called Intel. It's these little laptops with red screens, which is annoying because mm-hmm. there's laptops set up throughout every level that aren't the Intel, so you go up to them and hold X and they don't do anything. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, one of the things they did was they added, like, for every, like, two or three pieces of Intel you gathered, you got, like, an effect, like kind of like a skull in Halo. Some of them are, like, gameplay mechanics where, like, grenade explosion, like, enemies drop grenade on death, or enemies... Uh, now are killed by headshots only there was some that changed the entire overview of the game Like they make the art style different like the color basically puts a filter over your character's eyes. What's frustrating about that is um, I understand it's not necessary however you every time you pause it says like zero for Intel and level found or Every time you get a new effect it notifies you and it's annoying because it makes me want to find more and that's not my problem my main problem is they always put them in sequences that have dramatic like okay there's a level Mm -hmm. called a perfect example there's a level called the gulag you just rescued a very important prisoner the gulag is now being blown up it's a prison and it's getting destroyed and you have to run out well I know in my mind by that point in the campaign about two thirds of the way through I'm like oh there's an intel right behind me on the desk isn't there so I have to stop that moment I'm brought into and turn around and walk calmly over your desk. Sure enough, there's a laptop right there. And they just did that consistently. Hey, you have 15 seconds to get to this convoy or else you're dead, but stop in the Burger Town on the way because there's a laptop on the desk. I proposed, I thought, like, what if there was a game that to, you know, to encourage replayability, collectibles are only added the second time through you play it. Or that's an option you have is like, hey, we want the game to be played in its true form. Collectibles will be disabled. As long as they don't like, like, nor they really affected, like, your health or your m- mana, right? But, like, you know, if they just affect cosmetic or, like, unlockable content, say, like, hey, these will be unlocked in your second playthrough.
0: Oh, well, okay, so I think that if the collectible affects gameplay, it isn't collect, like, it isn't a collectible. Yeah, right, like, that's then it's something a game else. mechanic yeah right that's a game mechanic like the the health orbs or the mana orbs and ori like i wouldn't can like i get that you go around collecting them but like collectibles but as necessary. a whole i can yeah yeah i can of do something else as far as tying um like cosmetics to collectibles i really like it when cosmetics are tied to challenges instead like i find it like a much more interesting way like there's either like a hidden room or like an optional whatever the heck and like you do this, and you get like a cool skin or effect or something. Like that's always interesting. Or like um, if you went uh, nine and zero and trials, there's like a special effect like around like your head. Like, yeah. that's great. Like that is a great way to reward players. Having it tied to collectibles, I think collectibles work in some games. They don't in others. Like you said, it can really ruin the pacing of something. Um, but like the core seeds in Breath of the Wild are great. Like, I don't feel, like, compelled to, like, hit a certain number of them. I just, by knowing that they're there in the world, I'm more aware of the environment around me. And I'm, like, always on sort of the lookout for them. And so, like, in games where exploration is more of a core mechanic, I think collectibles work a lot better. I agree. Okay. I have a question for you guys. What is, like, a... Basically, a superstition that like you that like as personal to you like sort of like a strong belief about something that you can't necessarily justify there's no rational like meaning behind it like me for example my brother and I have this superstition that you can't trust people that have a first name for a last name like for example Jack Ryan you can't trust someone named Jack Ryan like Ryan is not a trustworthy last name Um and like we don't have a reason for this this is just some like this is just like a superstition between like my brother and i and i was wondering if you guys had anything similar like that
1: i'd, I'd have on, to think about me. that give me a second yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely give me like
2: a um hmm, that's a really good question
0: yeah like there's a lot of like cultural superstitions but something that we don't think about a lot of time is like there was like the american culture and then like within that there is like for example the north carolinian culture but like we have cultures like among our friends among people like culture isn't necessarily always a big thing it's a smaller thing too so like there are superstitions like we create um but we don't necessarily call them that um so I was just wondering if you guys have
1: any. I could maybe say with driving, like speeding, like my the way that I obey road rules is likely very different from other people. So I have like self-imposed mm-hmm. like, oh, if it's this type of road and I'm unfamiliar with it and I don't see any other cars, I won't go more than say four over if, it, if it's like a not a highway or like things like that. Like I have certain mm-hmm. things that I listen to that I don't really vocalize and I don't expect other people to because it's just something I made up or it's like oh if you see if i've seen a certain amount of cars going faster than me on the highway and it's busy enough then i will i don't know like there's like set conditions that i kind of mentally have that i just do not yeah. break period
0: interesting it's yeah. so like sort of your own self-imposed guide on like when it's okay to speed or not I don't, That's
1: interesting i don't rec- I don't know if i would really call that a superstition but I don't know. It's kind of in that vein. Uh,
2: I have a lot of things that as I'm thinking about them, they're like, they're not even, I don't know. I don't even call them superstitions, but let me, I'll go ahead and like discuss them. I think, hmm, God, this is a good question. (laughs) Oh, I do, I don't really know. I wouldn't call this a superstition. I I guess it is because I'm superstitious of people. Um, I just Mm -hmm. like have this bad assumption. There's a lot of things I keep close to my chest that I do or that I like to like, that I enjoy. Um, and because they aren't like a norm, I kind of just don't talk about them. And Mm -hmm. in my head, like when people say like, whenever people says like, Oh no, I know that. Like I do that too. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, 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 no, you don't gotta like, don't, don't, I'm like, you know. I just experienced that a lot at my job, and it's kind of made me numb to it of, like, I a lot of people who I, and I've had to do it to some people, of where they're like, no, I'm like, no, I totally understand that I'm the same way. Because uh, people will just say, like, outlandish things, and you just kind of got to roll with it, or else they'll talk forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not really a superstitious person. I guess Jesus? Mm-hmm. I like him.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess. Another one I have is that, like, Okay, so like I have a class ring, and like I always wear my class ring, um, but I don't wear it in the shower. Just don't. I don't have a reason for it. I don't. I don't have a like. I just don't. For the longest time, actually, I wouldn't wear my ring when I ate either. That took a while to get over, um, but eventually I did. But to this day, I still don't like to wear it whenever I shower, and like. I don't know if you can call it a superstition because I'm not like, oh, if I wear it, I'll get bad luck or something. Yeah, I just it's don't just, do like, it. it. just
2: like, you're um, just like, you have like a self-imposed thing you do. Oh, I have tons yeah. of those. I do it my way. It's just like you said, it's your self-imposed culture. Like, oh, I make it this way. Now, one thing I do have that's a superstition, I think sitting at a keyboard and mouse makes me dumber. Oh. Ah. Let me explain. Hmm that's, now, I mean, that's yeah, a really it,
0: unfortunate thing it, to like, be true <laughs> it
2: muddles it muddles my brain and i understand it's like a, a, a mental thing i put on myself i'll have a mm-hmm. brilliant idea for like a piece of writing that because i love to write in my free time right and i will sit down and not only, i'm not even talking like i have trouble translating the idea into words like that, that everybody always has trouble with that that's just difficult mm-hmm. but like my brain just makes the idea less when i go to even think about it at a keyboard and i'll write it down and i'm not just saying like oh my idea is magnificent because when you first when of course when you first think of something it's always great but like i don't know as soon as i get to a keyboard and mouse man it just doesn't want to come out Mm. And like it doesn't And I Honest to god I think like a keyboard and mouse Is my kryptonite Like I think it makes me like (laughs) Dumber Or just makes my brain Juices flow Less smooth But like Mm -hmm. It messes me up
0: Um Another rule that I have Is that like I refuse to be productive And eat at the same time Like meals Hmm. Are like a safe place for me Like I don't work When I eat lunch I don't like to snack When I work Like when I have dinner That is what I'm doing I'm eating dinner. I might watch yep. something. Um, but I, I refuse to, like, do math or write a paper or code and eat at the same time, like a meal. I just don't like to do it. I like to do one thing at a time as a general rule. That's true. Like, no, oh, no,
2: Megan does this crazy thing where she will – I'm doing homework. She will watch TV, and the TV will be loud mm-hmm. because she's watching it, you know, sound and stuff. And then she'll be on TikTok, and I'm like, hey, are you watching TV? She's not looked at the screen. And then what she does, mm. it blows my mind. She rewinds it and wa- and doesn't watch it again. She will rewind it, like, 10-15 <laughs> minutes because she missed everything. Go on TikTok. I, we, Justin, we were watching a show the other day. 45-minute episodes. I'm doing homework. She mm. did not finish the episode, and I worked for two hours. Because she kept rewinding it. Like, I i would lose my mind
0: okay now i have done this before with podcasts like if i'm trying to be productive and i'm listening to a podcast and it's not just like a, a conversational podcast if it's one where like there's a story or a narrative or something for example like dr death or serial and i'm like doing something i'll get like lost in my work and i'll be like oh shoot i have no idea what happened yeah. and rewind it and um there has been times where like i've listened to the same episode like upwards of 10 times because like i just i I just never catch whatever's going on because i'm so absorbed in something else yeah i get that i do that a
1: lot when i'm whenever i'm like actually alone i like to play games that i'm very comfortable with that i like already know all the mechanics of i don't need to think in the game much i'll do that while watching youtube or anything else or netflix or anything like, if I'm completely alone, I have an extremely hard time playing a game I'm comfortable with, like, I don't know, Apex or Skyrim or anything like that. Like, a game that I already have enough hours in that I don't need to really deeply think or hear it. I just won't listen to it. And I'll watch YouTube instead while I do that thing. Mm-hmm. Which is somewhat in the same vein of Christian talking about Megan on her phone at the same time that she's on the TV. Justin, when you were talking about, um, like personal superstitions and we kind of sidetrack that slightly into like personal things that we do i guess i find that a lot in sports i mean like in basketball everyone has a certain thing that they do before their free throw and i mean sure some people emulate somebody else that they do on tv and it's like oh you're, you're doing what what Shaq did or like you can like you can emulate people but for the most part you settle into what's comfortable for you and because of that every time you That's step up to the free throw thing. line you do it again and you do it every time Or like, I don't know, in football, whenever I got a snap, like I would always rotate the ball a certain way and I would do that every Mm -hmm. time. And if I didn't, it would slow me down because I, I was missing something like, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in sports, I would definitely have small intricacies and like things that I baked into my routine that I just couldn't not do.
2: Now that's a hot take in baseball. Same way. When you go to bat, everybody like has like a little shimmy or like. A wiggle of their foot, or they grip the bat a certain way, um, and they always do that every time. It's sometimes even bet- and like, and everybody else has like in between pitch rituals. You'll do like a, like a shallow swing, or you'll twist the bat, or like readjust your footing, and you'll see people do it like if they have like a four or five pitch like bat at bat, they'll do it between every pitch. That's a really good point. Like I never thought of that, but yeah, everybody has those little like little things they do. Um, I think we do that in uh. Oh my gosh, dude. Okay, I'm going to say this and you're going to know.
0: Crack oh, no. No, I already know what you're talking about.
2: Dude, What'd crack you say? your knuckles.
0: Oh, what you I mean the way. Oh, you're right. No, 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 no. He's talking about an apex when we say to crack your knuckles.
2: Crack your knuckles, dude.
0: That's true. Yeah, and okay. Like you like you land and you have to crack your knuckles. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah, like, or what was the other game we would do that in? Yeah, we even had stuff like that in games.
0: Yeah. Or, like... Oh, yeah. I, I remember when I we I know. Played, I'm starting like, to think about them now.
2: Like, remember when we played Trials? What would I do... At, I don't know. if This is a long time ago, so you might not remember. What would I do at the beginning of every single round?
1: We would look at what they had normally.
2: Well, what, no. What, my, what I would do is I would run for special ammo and pull out a sniper rifle. And if I didn't yeah, do true. that, I would remember when we would do... This is why I was either, like, a really helpful in a round or I was the first to die... Is because if we were just engaged in a fight of primaries, I just was floundering around, and it wasn't because mm. I did not shoot my pulse rifle. Like it wasn't because I sucked at shooting my gun. It's because mm. like I was really good at one tactic, and if I didn't. And I, after I got a pick or I whiffed a shot, I could switch like mindsets. But it's like my brain it's just like you said, thing. Like if you didn't turn the ball a certain way, your brain just was like it stumbles. And it, it happened every time, and I always thought about it.
0: I hadn't even considered the superstitions in video games. Like, one of the most prevalent ones was uh, the Spirit Bloom chest back in Destiny. Spirit uh, Bloom chest? It. You got Gallahorn from it. Yeah. Yeah, for context, there was, um, in Destiny, there was this raid, and you and it required six players. So And you'd play through this, like, series of levels in it. And at the end of every big level, there's a chest where you can get, like, armor, guns, and stuff. Well, in this raid, there was a chest that couldn't give you armor or guns. It could only give you a crafting resource called Spirit Bloom. That's all it could give you, and it, it was became optional. This, yeah, like, it became this like cultural. Like everyone in the game understood that opening the spirit chest was bad luck. That you don't open the spirit chest. That like, you just leave it be, and if you leave it be, then like you can get better rewards later. And there is nothing to back this up like the developers have like never confirmed this is 100 percent. like people did data and it proved it proved it didn't work yes yeah. but the one time that like i didn't open the spirit bloom and i would always open the spirit bloom chest sometimes without people knowing because it would genuinely upset them but just <laughs> to like you know rail against this superstition <laughs> but the one time that i didn't open it i got the best gun in the game like later in the same he raid, was the last was one just to like, get pro- it which just like proved the superstition true but it's so funny how things like that arise
2: god dude i will literally never forget that moment when fane is just like justin don't open the chest you'll get Galahorn," and you go down and son of a bitch you opened it very first try and we rioted we were like it's true you can't fight it it's
0: true it's true oh my god it's so funny i remember that moment so well we were like we were literally screaming it was so fuck. it was so funny Good times oh god dude
2: <coughs> golden golden age of gaming by the way that's true golden age man we had more free time back then <laughs> that is also yeah. true you could just play a ton more games when you were not doing you had no responsibility yeah
1: all right i have an interesting topic since we somewhat just ended that um i've uh I, damn it it's still kind of the same topic anyways i was recently playing a game and uh it, it interacts a lot with what a person is and what personhood is and they ask you a bunch of rapid fire questions and um for references it the to the Talos, Talos principle, principle. yeah I'm not all the way through it yet, so don't spoil anything, but it just asks a lot of really interesting questions about, like, what makes a person. And, um, I don't know, I mean, I was at home around other people in my family, and some of these I mirrored to them, and I'm like, well, what are your thoughts on this? Like, okay, if, um, if you have a normal human and you have a prosthetic leg, pretty much everyone agrees you're no less human. You're still the same amount human, you just have a prosthetic leg. Sure. But, um, what if it's a fully prosthetic body? What if you removed a human brain and put it into a artificial body are they still human or like at what level is somebody not human if you want to go on the it's part of their body route or i mean like can something become a person like if if you want to say that like to be a person not necessarily a human you have to have like i don't know you you can live and die and you can execute your own free will then are animals persons
2: well, uh, this is actually very interesting. There's this old movie. I don't know if you guys watched it in the class. I think it was Murky's class or Lucas's class in college. I don't remember which one it is. Pretty sure it was Murky's class. Uh, I didn't have that class with you, so you guys might have not watched it. But more or less, um, oh, but for context of people who don't, haven't been around me since second grade, he is our like sophomore year English teacher. Um, so we watched this class. It's called The Bicentennial Man. And it's about Robin Williams is the main character. And he's basically this, like, family buys a robot, like, butler who's supposed to, you know, cook, clean, take the trash out, yada, 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 nanny the kids. And he ends up having, like, a malfunction, and he wants to do art. He wants to carve wood. And so, like, the family is kind of, they found him doing this, and it's weird. And so they're like, hey, you just want, like, we can just buy you, we can just get you scrap wood and buy you some tools, like, if you want. He's like, yeah, I'd very much appreciate it. And he eventually, like, gets really involved in science. He, uh, like, buys his, um, basically the company wants to recall him, and he, like, buys them off because he's made so much money off of his, like, beautiful craftsmanship. He ends up, like, making organs and, like, skin prosthetics, and he basically becomes a human. And he's called the Bicentennial Man because he lives 200 years, And well, and then some. The whole idea is like the whole back half of the movie is he's like in love with somebody, somebody loves him, like he can have a child, but the court won't rule him human. And he's like he's I mean he's a he's a worldwide celebrity because he's made all these medical advances, he's a billionaire. And he's like, Well, why won't you? He's like, What do I have that you don't? And it's that dilemma. And I think that's very interesting. I think like it's it's the it's kind of like if a cyborg is 51% robot is he no longer a man type deal like I don't think it's that I don't know what it is I'll have to think about it a little bit more so I'd like somebody else to answer so I can give a smart comment but I don't think it's like uh I don't think it's like stock in a company where if you have 51% robot and then 49 percent human he's a robot now like I definitely don't think it's that like cyborg I'm, from yeah. teen Titans still a guy
0: okay so this question is like actually a really old one and as opposed to like the ship of theseus which is basically like you know if you if you have a ship then like oh the the mast needs replaced and so you replace the mast and eventually you replace every part of the ship is it the same ship um and like the way that i've sort of reconciled this question is that like the the change is part of the ship like Hmm. the fact that 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 part was replaced is part of the ship like the fact that like i am different from you know me four years ago doesn't make us different people because that change is part of who i am and so like you know a human becoming more cybernetic through you know surgeries and augmentations or whatever like that change is part of their humanity and like part of their personhood um as far as the question of... Can something become a person? that That's a lot harder to answer, I think. Like, I don't... Like, a person can become a not-person. Namely through dying. Um, I'm sure there are other ways. But, like, a not-thing becoming a person is a lot... That's a more interesting question. That's harder to answer.
1: With Christian talking about that movie where, like, it was a court issue. Do you think that legally... In, uh, in our lifetimes, in our grandkids' lifetimes, or in, like, the world's lifetime, do you think that AI or robots will ever get rights like humans? Even if, to a lesser degree, do you think they'll ever get rights?
2: I think... Okay, now, I don't think they'll ever be labeled as humans. Like, I think there will still be a distinction. Um, will they get rights? I don't know. Let's... Okay. Let's say... I'm not exactly the healthiest... 21 year old. Let's but let's say I live to like 90. Okay. Okay, cuz I got another 70 years of medical advancements to keep my clogged up arteries flowing. Um let's say I lived to like 90 or 100. Let's just say 100 for simplicity's sake. Sure. Uh, dude, if we keep I mean we, you know, though you've heard the whole thing of like we developed more technology in the last 20 30 years than like ever or something like that, right? I've read the exact number, but like mm-hmm. man What what's eighty more years gonna do? Like I I think of when, yeah, I think of when I was a kid, and robots could do not nothing, but to get a robot to do anything relatively complicated was like its own convention. Like the robot was huge and had all the like servers, and now you can program a robot like a robot to do a dance with enough code that fits on like like a hard drive the size of like a pop tart <laughs> like it, it's just in, it's advanced so much in 20 years i don't know what 80 more is gonna do like i honest to god like i could i see it happening though i kind of hope not i kind of hope we don't robots smart enough to like deem them first class citizens because that's kind of that's kind of scary
0: I think that whether we ever consider robots people or give them rights is, um, like, removed from the question of, like, will robots ever be able to behave as people? Like, I think behave, it be more of, yeah. like, a societal oh, yeah. question. Yeah, they can imitate because, like Because, like, not to be down or anything, but it took a lot of time for us to consider, like, black people people. Like, like, for a long time, this they were treated as point. lesser humans. Like, it took a long time for gay people to be able to get married. Like there's And there's still, like, social issues. Um, so, like, I don't think that, like... And then not to mention that legislature is always, like, 20, 30 years behind whatever current technology is. I, I would fair. be very... I would, I would bet money on the fact that, like, robots would never be considered people within our lifetime. Now, Now, I will say, though, I haven't died yet. There's no evidence that I will die, so I'm not going to rule it out.
2: This is fair. Well, I think Fane brought up an interesting point of, is it illegal? Now, if he's talking about legally, I don't think it'll happen. But culturally, could Mm. even areas of, okay, let's say United States. Uh, Because, you know, uh, the North treated black people a lot nicer than the South did during the Civil War. And even afterwards, um, I wouldn't say they were treated completely the same, uh, but, I, I will, you know, up north there was a little more because there was less cultural problems with African Americans, right? Yep. So could you even say a region of the United States or even, I don't know, some whatever country, right, a, a region of the world could culturally accept robots as maybe not even citizens – just their own entities and like let them just roam
1: i think so at least in some point in the world i do think that it might actually be good for humanity because it's very easy to bring together groups when there's a common enemy and i think now i don't think it'd be fixed but i think that the amount of racism would be would be reduced if there was robots because we could be like these guys don't deserve rights what's wrong with you and if everyone could get on board with why are we giving them rights like who's doing this then we might care a little bit less about putting down the guy next to us if we have a new enemy hot
2: take right hot take make a make our own second class citizens to hate so we all hate them together now this is some next level societal innovation
1: thing oh yeah i mean it, it's so easy it's like oh we all we all bleed red the the, the good old thing they don't i mean it'd be so easy
0: <laughs> but see this is only a good thing if the robots aren't actually people if they are actually people <laughs> then like you just create like that's not good like, also not, like, i will doesn't say doesn't this anything, right most of the
2: time in media examples i.e. Skynet. Mm-hmm. Um, Skynet like I, I will say this robots are pretty you know by the point robots are that level that we would consider them yeah. things entities of their own they're probably pretty advanced They could probably do some scary stuff so maybe we shouldn't hate on the people that have infinitely faster reaction times and processing speeds than we do and can improve themselves like I don't know if that's the best idea
1: See that's also that's an argument saying that like as long as you are physically superior to someone you don't have to respect them. (laughs) That's that's like saying that like oh someone's disabled so you don't have to respect them as much as a person because I could beat them in a fight. I mean,
0: I think Christian was saying for the good of humanity it would be good to rally against them. Um, I do think eventually there is the potential that some country recognizes robots as humans like to my knowledge i'm pretty sure there's a country out there that recognizes like they give dolphins personhood Mm -hmm. um not necessarily citizenship like the dolphins can't vote um but they are considered persons (laughs) god i hope not (laughs) i don't know but like the dolphins are given certain rights as people um now here's interesting what do you think is more likely to happen first that we consider like some animals as people or that we consider robots
1: as people robots i think robots before animals yeah that's unless unless animals all of a sudden start like i think that the rate at which animals are likely to be on par with our intelligence is not as fast as the rate that robots might make it there the only way robots
2: get to our level is be okay no go ahead go ahead
0: Okay, you have established something that I don't want to have as the as this level of esta- this established thing. I'm not saying will animals become more intelligent because like I don't because you can't tie personhood to intelligence, right? No, like like you can't just like draw a line in the sand and be like I wouldn't you be know, a person. You right? You can't be like you have to be this tall to be considered a person, right? Um, <laughs> um, so like I'm not. Like, how you define a person is very complicated, and I'm just asking if that could be broadened enough to like include animals before it included robots. Not necessarily if animals can evolve fast enough to become intelligent. As you us.
2: want me to get more cynical? Yes. Uh-huh. Animals are a resource.
1: Mm-hmm. So are robots. We make them do our work.
2: Uh, yeah, oh, that's no. true, and I will. I, I mean, will, you know, agree with that. However, if the robots can develop, the robots will more than likely be able to develop beyond the point where they are letting themselves be just used for work. I think that's when some stuff's really going to happen. Is when some like crazy AI breaks out and starts like not like wreaking havoc, but it's basically like, hey, I'm not going to do this job that you programmed me to do. That's when people are going to start getting freaked out and have conversations about it. The mm-hmm. cow is not going to be like, well, I'm not going to stay in your fences anymore. I hate you, farmer. And yes, I think, I like, doubt- well, and I no, I th- I'm not saying that's what defines a human, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is, like, humans aren't going to do that, like, are, aren't going to push that when they still have control over that resource. You know, yes, robots yes, are going to sure. start causing waves when we no longer have complete control over them.
0: Mm-hmm. From a, from a, also a cynical perspective, I think that the, whether or not animals can be considered people will be directly tied to how how efficiently and cheaply we can produce synthetic meat like the the point at which synthetic meat becomes cheaper than actual meat is the point at which people will be like hey maybe cows like should be given the same rights as people
1: i can get that it's not that far off like synthetic meat being cheaper than normal meat if you're talking about, like, mm. what is it, like, 73, 27% beef, synthetic is very close to beating that out price-wise. Fuck it, dude. As soon as that's cheaper, I'm going to start eating that.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, if it tastes the same and it's cheaper, I don't give well, two craps. I, I,
2: I, just, I just go with what's cheaper. I literally was drinking Sam's Cola, okay? <laughs> like, 4 dude, like four fifty for 24 cans of soda. Like
0: Especially especially considering that it's not like this meat is being like synthesized from chemicals it's just like plants with like hemoglobin yeah. basically for the most yeah. part which is all like natural stuff um not to like fall into like the natural is better fallacy i'm just saying like we don't we don't have to like like we don't know the long term health effects I'm of probably like not vaping for develop example a
2: brain tumor from
0: eating right. this meat exactly no. like it's effectively things we were already eating is what i'm saying just in a very specialized form all right uh, final question before we end the show and i think that this might be a quick one depending on how we follow on this is cereal soup discuss i think it's a stew oh lord what's the difference between a soup and a stew what I, I know, you've introduced nuance I, I wasn't prepared for <laughs>
2: I think a soup. I've thought about this before, actually. A soup is something that's just like a bunch of flavors. Wait, no, because chicken noodle soup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In my head, a stew is something that like it's kind of like gumbo, like type deal where it huge pot, bunch of ingredients, and then you just ladle out whatever ingredients you get in your bowl and you eat those too. And a soup okay. to me is like, I think like I just think a tomato soup like it's just flavored liquid mm-hmm. but then you, but then i think of chicken noodle soup and it throws a wrench in my explanation okay somebody let me think somebody else go
0: i did a quick search here it says that soup can be completely liquefied or consist of other things that are fully submerged stew on the other hand is normally chunkier and contains just enough liquid to cover the ingredients
2: I think, I think that's, I think it's a stew then.
1: I think it has to do with how a majority of people like to eat it with temperature. Like a lot of soups, most people will have warm. Most people will have their cereals cold, not warm. Like people don't heat up their cereal. Now I'm not saying there's exceptions to that, but I'm saying the majority
0: that's fair because like there are cold soups like i've had a cold soup before. yeah i'm not saying that's impossible but
1: a majority of soups are eaten warm and they're not intended to be eaten cold and a majority of cereal is made to be cold
0: okay so you have all right let's say you made some soup Mm -hmm. you leave it there long enough for it to become cold is it no longer soup
1: see but i'm saying a majority i'm saying a majority of people not just you yeah, 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 yeah. like if i if, yeah, yeah yeah i know if a majority if there was a new invention okay like a new food a new soup we're gonna call it if All there was right. a new soup okay. that everyone always had cold and it was meant to be cold and genuinely people conformed to this i'd call it mm-hmm. cereal easy
2: <laughs> oh my god i did i think cereal is a stew I'm mistaken by my answer.
0: Okay, but I'm saying, like, okay, does the chicken noodle soup become chicken noodle cereal once it becomes cold? Or, like, what if you never made it hot in the first place?
2: But, however, but, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: if you
2: drain half of the liquid, because a stew is when there's barely enough liquid to cover the stuff sticking out of the bowl. It's more of, like, almost like a sauce. It's like, okay, here's, here's a thought. If you made a bowl and filled it halfway up with ranch and then dumped a shit ton of chicken nuggets in it. Is it mm-hmm. like a ranch chicken nugget stew?
1: Yeah.
0: Wait, no, Same how thing. do you so- say yes to this? It's not hot, hey? Eh? <laughs> you didn't prepare it. What? No, no. No, no. You can't no, say no, no. It's it's still a stew nuggets.
1: because a majority of people have stews hot. Easy.
2: No, no, it's nothing to do with the temperature. It's nothing to do with the temperature. It's the fact that the ingredients are outside of the the, the liquid supplement the supplement mm-hmm. the flavor supplement mm-hmm. so if you have chicken noodle soup right
0: mm-hmm. okay
2: and you dump out about three-fourths of the liquid and then you have really just chicken noodles resting on this in this small puddle of flavor it then <clears> becomes <throat> chicken noodle stew or cereal for dinner dinner cereal if you will okay chicken so noodle dinner cereal have you
1: ever had like now, I won't say rare, but have you ever had, like, a pretty rare steak where, like, as you cut it, there's a lot of liquid that comes out? Ooh. Is that a soup? <laughs> no, it's a stew. No, no, no. Okay, that would be a stew. That'd be a all. stew? Okay, yeah. So you would call that a stew because you cut into your okay. steak and it's now called stew?
0: Okay, hold on. I think the broth plays a big deal here, right? And that's why, like, I think it has to do with, like, the broth of a stew is thicker. And it's not just that there's yeah. less of it it is like qualitatively different and so like the chicken noodle soup doesn't become a chicken noodle stew if you don't change the broth and like a a, a burger doesn't become a stew because
1: it's like soaking in its own liquid right i don't i don't you know i mm, I don't know cereals have to be have a mascot
2: salisbury steak is it a stew
1: yes Easy. (laughs)
2: Justin's face was like he pointed at me and smiled. Then he looked no, no, back no, and
1: was no, like,
0: no. "No, gravy is not stew. Liquid. Yeah, I know it's a liquid. Gravy yeah, is the liquid
2: but... supplement, <laughs> and we have it mostly covering another type of food. And it was okay, prepared but... with that no, but, liquid supplement. But and gravy it's warm. is
0: its own thing. Like uh, you can't, you and can't, like you can't screw with gravy. Like <laughs> gravy is gravy. You can't call gravy soup."
2: i didn't call you it could gravy ha- soup I you call could have okay
1: justin if you i bet i could oh, make no. something called gravy soup and sell it and it's just gravy Dude, it's just a you big put it in a gravy, gravy
2: you put <laughs> it in a gravy boat and you pour it directly in your mouth
1: oh my
0: god um okay well okay if a Salisbury steak is a stew then okay imagine you have um like pasta with alfredo okay sauce. Is that a stew? Like it's like it's like pasta covered in sauce, right? Like there's not enough liquid to fully submerge it. Why is it why? Why is it not a stew?
2: Because it doesn't like sit in the sauce.
0: Yeah, I mean, okay. So because the sauce is on top and not on bottom, it isn't.
2: Yeah, a a Salisbury steak rests on the sauce. You know what i mean it, it bathes in... the
0: gravy don't call it sauce it is gravy <laughs> let's be clear about this
2: okay let's be scientific the salisbury steak rests on the liquid supplement supplement which is of, also a of which makes it a stew the sauce added directly onto the pasta is a also a liquid supplement shit you backed me into a corner
0: See, this is why we have to have boundaries here. Like, you can't consider grape... Like, we can't just reduce it to liquid, alright It's got to be, like, like, like gravy's its own thing. Dressings are their own thing. We've already hashed out dressings before. We don't need to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, we did. Yeah, a while ago. When, when
1: we were younger, yeah.
0: Um,
2: B, uh, BC, before Corona.
0: <laughs> right, That was uh-huh. before the Corona. Um, But if we do, like, okay, so... I think it... I think it I think if it's a stew or not boils down to the broth, and I don't think you can consider milk a broth. So I'm going to argue that it it's not a soup because milk is not broth.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, you have, okay. I will say this. I, I agree. It's not a soup. Never mind. I thought you said it was, and I had an argument I prepared, but we're good.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. What about? I think of
2: it, I think of it like this. It well think of it like this. Because uh, that would be saying, you you would then have to say milk by itself is a soup. And it's similar to like a grilled cheese dipped in tomato soup. You're dipping your cereal in the milk. So maybe you would have to say the soup is a milk, which I, I mean, the milk is a soup, which I am not saying ever. So that sentence will never come out of my mouth again. Okay. But
0: not necessarily though. Like chicken broth by itself is not soup. But you add in some carrots, some chicken, some noodle, now it's a soup. Right.
1: So like Hmm
0: Cereal's okay. different from
1: this because it has a mascot i stay on this no soup has a mascot has cereals a have mascot. mascots
0: you know i didn't want to address your point because i think you're right <laughs> like i think that is it like even the off-brand ones have mascots right
1: like, yeah it's very yeah, well established mascots.
2: well also if you get a little more like I don't want to say scientific, because this is not a scientific conversation. Oh, it is. If you get a little more like, hey, you know, you put the broth in first, then you put in everything and then make it, well, you put in cereal post, you put in milk post cereal.
1: Maybe you do. You don't have to. Wait, how do you make cereal? Cereal, then milk. Yeah, yeah, okay. Cereal, then milk. I hope.
2: Yeah, you're you're not (laughs) an animal.
0: God, that'd be something, huh? So what, so milk, not a soup? because it is because it has a, a mascot it has a mascot it's a... so therefore yeah
2: it's that's cereal. it let's go with that because that's the easiest one I
1: think if you want to if you want to make things worse some milk some milks have a mascot okay but you can't call them not every okay it's like a square rectangle thing right there you go not okay, everything yeah.
0: that has a mascot is cereal our baseball team does cereal? Have a mascot <laughs> <laughs> no stop
1: there you, well, bad you know. man <laughs>
0: you know air is a fluid and all the humans in there are you know submerged in the fluid mm-hmm. and they have mascots really,
1: we're just in life's big soup
2: <laughs> if you think about it we're just <laughs> one big soup all together soaking oh in bacteria and corona I or can't. you know there's that offshoot religion that thinks we're in a stew and nobody likes them they're weird
0: yeah no i can't we're not in a stew but we are all in a soup i can get behind that
2: can I end the podcast because I have a really good finishing line.
0: Yes, please sure. then, Please put me out of my mind. Alright
2: guys, thank you for listening to Shooting the Shit. I hope we've given you some provoking thoughts in this quarantine time. Wear your masks, wash your hands, do the safe things, and we're just going to leave you to stew on that for a couple weeks.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that was a good one.